0: You have your Bible, go ahead and get your Bible out, get something to take some notes with tonight because sub 30, we are super honored to have Miss Valerie Burton in the house tonight. Come on, put your hands together. <laughs> any of our any of our ladies who are at Shine Conference this past year, uh, man, you caught Valerie's session and it was absolutely phenomenal. She's been preaching the whole weekend here at Celebration Church starting last night. She did our services this morning and uh, she's just a phenomenal communicator. She's uh, traveling with her husband, Jeff, and her mother is actually here with her today on Mother's Day. And I I just wanna say what a privilege it is to have your whole family here. We're really honored uh, to have you guys spending Sunday night with us. And and Sub-30, you gotta know this is a big deal. I mean, her whole family's in town, but this is where they've decided to spend Mother's Day evening. Uh, with us, and uh, Valerie pouring into us, and uh, if you were here this morning, man, you got that awesome word, but she's about to bring just another encouraging word. She has loads of resource, I'll go ahead and get this out of the way, man, before you leave here tonight, man, books, resource, the whole deal, Um, she travels all over the globe, her and her husband, her family, all over the globe, coaching, teaching, training, and inspiring people, and so please, go out there, check it out, and uh, I know it's gonna be a blessing to your life, and so, hey, why don't we give honor where honor is due, let's stand to our feet right now. Now, let's welcome Miss Valerie Burton as she comes to share the word with us tonight. Come on.
1: Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. I don't think I've ever taught so much, ever. It's the first, fourth message since last night, but it is such a blessing to be here, and I'm excited about talking to y'all in particular. Um, Gosh, I wanna, um, I'm grateful that my husband was able to come. I mean, you know you have a good husband when he sits through this many messages and he's still like nodding and smiling like he has not heard this before. <laughs> Did you wave at everybody? I'm so in love with him. That's my hubby, he's awesome. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And, uh, and my mom, uh, getting to have her here on Mother's Day especially is just such a blessing. Will you wave at everybody, mom? Some of you know, I, can't, I brag about my mom so much because she is such a miracle. My, my mother uh, is, I mean, she, she's retired. She works in my business, so she keeps me straight. Um, but my mother's also um, a survivor, um, having survived a brain aneurysm that she had while we were talking on the phone uh, quite a few years ago now. But by all medical accounts, my mom should have died a long time ago. But that was not God's timing. And her faith is so strong that she just pulled through i I remember specifically my mom going through the uh, physical therapy the occupational therapy the speech therapy trying to be able to talk again and i i remember one thing in particular that the physical therapist had her do because her vision was completely messed up everything was spinning and double and so you'd look at her she looked normal but she couldn't really see you and one of the things they would have her do is like put something in front of her her face like this, and she had to touch her nose and then touch her finger. And watching my mom miss that far because she couldn't tell where her finger was, but then when we would talk about it, she would say things like, well, you know what? I'm grateful because I have a chance to recover and I can, I can go through this physical therapy and I can get better. I mean, this could be terminal, but I've made it through. And just having a person in your life that is that positive and that faith-filled and such a believer has such an impact, and so I'm just grateful for for my mom being here. Um, I have a message for you tonight, and I I got excited because um, I'm not 18 to 30, um, but a lot of stuff happened when I was between 18 and 30, and there's so many things that um, I can look back now and say, gosh, I wish I had known, or I wish I didn't worry about this, or I wish I didn't have anxiety about that. And so as I share tonight, I'm really sharing from my heart the things that I think that God's put in me specifically um, for you. And it really starts with the whole concept that we're all here for a reason. It's no accident that you're here. I mean, as young as you are, there are people your age who are no longer with us. Whatever their mission was, it's been accomplished, but you're here. And God has you here for a reason. So tonight I'm going to talk about purpose and living purposefully, because if you do it now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, life can look so much better than it would had you not been purposeful starting early. There was a quote that I heard years ago from John Maxwell that was so powerful to me, and he said, the most successful people make their critical decisions early in life, and they manage those decisions for the rest of their lives. That's every decision from the career you choose to the relationships you choose to how you handle your money um, to how you handle your health. All of those things, when you make those critical decisions early in life and you do it with God's wisdom, then you just manage those decisions. You're not constantly having to make new decisions or start over. (laughs) You're actually able to just manage those decisions and God's able to grow what he's given you. He's able to expand your territory. So that's the message I know he's given uh, to me for you tonight, so let's just bow our heads for a moment and, and pray before I start. Lord, we just come to you tonight just grateful, Lord, grateful for another weekend for most to Be able to rest and rejuvenate lord we thank you for this place of worship we thank you that we have a place to come and worship freely god people around the globe many don't have that freedom and we enjoy that freedom here and so god we just say thank you thank you for a great place of worship a place to come and to learn and to grow lord we thank you for this mother's day we thank you for the woman that brought each of us into this world lord we just thank you for um just covering us, Lord, and protecting us. God, I pray that you would just speak through me tonight. I pray that hearts will be open. I pray that they will hear from you as I speak, that they're not seeing me, but they're seeing you speaking. They're hearing the message specifically for them, Lord. And then I pray that you give them the courage to act on that mission, God. So I just, I just am believing that you've got something to say that's powerful, that's life-changing, that we don't walk out of here the same way that we walked in. So God, we just thank you in advance for all that you are about to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, there's only one scripture that I want to um, specifically call out tonight, and it's a a scripture that actually describes Jesus' mission statement. Did you know he had a mission statement? Y'all are looking at me real blank. No, Valerie, we did not know Um, All of us should have some sort of mission. We should know why we're here. Um, In John 10.10, Jesus himself describes not only his mission statement, but he describes the enemy's mission statement. And I'm just gonna read it to you. It says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I, that is Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. Everything that Jesus did in his three years of public ministry, everything he did was so that we might have life and life more abundantly, whether he was Healing the sick, whether he was sharing wisdom, whether he was dying on the cross, everything he did was so that we might have life and life more abundantly. It was a very simple mission statement, but if you look at everything throughout Scripture, it all lines up with that mission statement. But a mission is not just for Jesus. It's not just for God. All of us have a mission. And the question is, what is yours? Why are you here Why were you born into the family you were born into? With the gifts that you have, with the passion that you have, with the experiences that you have had, whether it's a positive experience or a painful experience, God can actually turn the painful experiences into purpose. I mean, there are things that you go through that are so painful to you that you don't wanna see others go through it and it almost becomes like your own personal crusade. You want people to know in advance Hey, don't go that way. I've been there before. (laughs) You don't want to do that. Let me tell you why. That oftentimes God lets us go through things so that we can be a blessing to someone else. We always have to see that because it's very easy for us to feel sorry for ourselves when we go through things. But if instead we say, "Lord, how do you want to use this? What is this really all about? And as a coach, my job is always asking the right questions. And I have found that the simplest question for finding your mission is this, how is someone's life better when they cross your path? How is somebody's life better when they cross your path? There ought to be some way that you impact people. And it can be so simple, but oftentimes we complicate it. We hear mission statement and it sounds like something that's supposed to be long and elaborate and complicated and really it's just one simple sentence. I prayed for so long about my mission. I, I started out in, uh, in public relations. I launched my own PR firm. Very young, I, was, uh, I, I launched it the, the month I turned 24. I had worked for an accounting firm. I was in the marketing department. I had been promoted to marketing director and their clients kept asking me if I could do some marketing for them. And I knew I always wanted to have a business. I was very entrepreneurial. And uh, so I just jumped out and did it. It was a good time to jump out and do it because I figured, If I failed, what was the worst thing that was going to happen? Um, Sometimes we don't ask the the what if questions that cause us fear, you know? And I I had a lot of those what if questions. I specifically remember uh, the day that I um, had written my resignation letter and I gave it to my boss, and when I went home that day, I thought, what on earth have I done? Like, literally, I was lying in the bed thinking, what on earth have I done? I just quit my job. So in a few weeks, I'm not going to have a paycheck, but I had to start answering my own what-if questions. What if this doesn't work? What if I fail? What if I'm too young? What if I don't have enough experience? And I started answering my what-if questions. What if I fail? Well, I could start again, Uh, I could get a job. What if I'm too young? Well, I'll try to get the experience I need, but I might have to pull other people in who might have more experience. I mean, what was the worst thing that was going to happen? I might be embarrassed. But I knew that that's what I was being called toward. And so I had started out in PR, but as I moved along in my business, as a few years had passed by, I realized that I was good at it, but I wasn't very passionate about it. Has anyone ever been in that spot? Like, you're good at what you do. You're not very passionate about it. And I kept thinking, there's something more for me. There's something else that I'm meant to be doing. And I just began praying, God, what is my mission? What's my purpose? Why do you have me here, In other words, I was asking, how, how are people's lives better when they cross paths with me? Because I couldn't see it. And I kept trying to create a big vision for the business because I thought, if the vision's big enough, maybe I can get excited about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if I have a vision where the business makes enough money, maybe I could get excited about the money. Or maybe I could get excited about pursuing certain clients. But the vision, that excitement would last for a couple of weeks. And then I would go back to, what's the purpose of this? What's the purpose? And, and I had gone to a journalism convention. This is a part of the work I was doing, doing a lot of work with media. I went to a journalism convention in Seattle and um, I was standing, literally standing in a bookstore when I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I had walked across the street from the convention. I'm standing there, I'm looking at books and I felt like God said, your mission is inspiring people to live more fulfilling lives. You'll do it through writing and speaking. And it was just, it wasn't an audible voice, it was just something I sensed in my spirit and I just knew in that moment. Sometimes you just know, and it fit me. It fit me. When I look back on my own life, I realize I always enjoyed writing. I was told that I was a good writer. Um, I actually, I, I believed I was a good writer. I'm not sure if I really was, but I believed it because in second grade, Uh, Ms. Johnson told my parents during a parent-teacher meeting that I had a gift. And I remember my dad sitting there going, yeah, she got that from me. She got that from me, right? And, um, but from that point on, I believed. I believed her. Teachers can be that powerful. I believed her that I was a good writer. So when I heard this, I should write and I should speak. And speaking made sense because I never had trouble talking. That's probably not hard for you all to believe, but I never had trouble talking. In fact, my mother sometimes jokes that she would play this game uh, when I was a kid because I talked so much that she would say, Valerie, let's see how long you can go without talking. This was the game. I think I made it up to two minutes one time, okay? So speaking was never an issue. So when I, I, I felt this in my spirit that I was supposed to be inspiring people to live more fulfilling lives, I just knew that was it. And that particular day, I just felt, I mean, I literally felt like I could just float away. And so I, within three weeks, I just started writing. And the words were flowing. They were just flowing from the tip of my pen. And I knew that that was it. And I self-published that first book. Um, I was 26 at the time. I thought, I don't know if anybody wants to hear what I have to say, but God told me to write, and I've got something to say. It was actually my third attempt at writing a book. The first two times, I just ran out of words. You know, I was like 22, and I I wrote all the wisdom I could, but it couldn't fill up a whole book, so I just stopped, okay? And so that first book I wrote, and, and eventually a big publisher picked it up. God just began opening doors. And within about a year and a half, I sold my business and started doing what I do full time. And there have been many times when it's been really difficult. Because things I thought were gonna come together quickly didn't come together as quickly as I thought they would. And there were times when literally I would think if you'd stayed in PR, you'd be at this point by now, you'd be at this level, you'd have this job, you'd make this amount of money. But all the while I knew if I just do what God's called me to do, He'll bless it. In fact, every time I kept thinking about the other things I could do, God kind of would just whisper to me, you'll never be more successful doing anything other than what I called you to do. Just stick with it. If you live in a studio apartment, Valerie, and you make hardly anything, you do what I've called you to do and you bless the people I've called you to bless. And that has to be the question each and every one of us is asking, God, what are you asking me to do with my life? Are y'all with me on this? So if nothing else this week, I'm asking you to stop and say, Lord, how are people's lives better when they cross paths with me? You might be the person that just, you make people laugh. You bring people joy. You might be the problem solver. Whatever the problem is, you get joy out of solving the problem. Some of you are bridge builders. You just, you just whatever the issue is between people, you seem to be able to bring people together. I mean, all of you have different gifts, but you've gotta figure out how God wants to use those gifts to make a difference in the world, so that you understand your mission statement, just as Jesus stated his mission was that he came, that we might have life, and life more abundantly. But we have to remember that when we get on board with God, the enemy gets very busy with his mission. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me that Jesus, in that, in that scripture, in that one verse, he tells us what the enemy's mission is before he tells us what his mission is. And I think that is, is a warning. <laughs> when you get about the business of living out your mission, living out your purpose, the enemy is like, uh-oh. I've gotta mess with him, I've gotta mess with her. I'm gonna plant seeds of doubt, I'm gonna put obstacles in the way. And sometimes those obstacles don't look like obstacles to you. There could be relationships that the enemy is strategically placing. And you, you can sense a little bit in your spirit that might not be the right, right relationship, but the enemy knows that if you get into that relationship, you will be thrown completely off course. And so you have to pay closer attention when you start doing what God's called you to do. Because the enemy's job is to kill and to steal and to destroy. You. (laughs) You, because you're about the business of God. So there's seven very simple and quick things I want to share with you tonight about living purposefully. And they all, they kind of spell out an acronym for purpose. The The first one is simple. It's picture your possibilities. Picture your possibilities. I want you, just for a moment, to indulge me and just close your eyes. Close your eyes, I can see you if you're looking at me, so close your eyes, all right? (laughs) Do not cheat on this. All right, just take a nice deep breath. And I want you to picture for a moment where you'd like to see yourself. It could be a year from now, it could be three years from now, it could be five years from now, you choose. But what do you want it to look like when you wake up in the morning? What do you wanna feel when you get up? What do you want to be doing when it comes to work, who are you impacting in your relationships? What does your relationship life look like? What does family look like to you? How about your finances? What are you making in this vision? I see a couple of you smiling on that one. Big vision. What are you making, what about your health? How do you wanna look, how do you wanna feel? Are you seeing it? All right, you can open your eyes. Some of y'all looked like the vision was so good. I'm like, I wonder what she was thinking. I mean, you're like, "Ah," and then some of y'all just look like you're struggling to see what that vision is, and that's fine. If you don't know what the vision is, just ask God what it is. Lord, where do you want me to go from here? And make sure the vision is big enough. Make sure it's big enough that it scares you a bit because if it's God's vision, it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. And when you're out of your comfort zone, you're gonna feel some fear. And just know that that is absolutely natural and normal and it probably indicates that you are on the right path. God knows that you feel fear. All he asks is that you muster up some courage in the face of your fear. Anything you want to do is going to require some courage. Don't worry about being fearless. None of us are fearless. We all feel fear. (laughs) Courage is what you want. (laughs) In the face of your fear that you see it and you keep moving forward despite your fear. But you've gotta be able to picture your possibilities and picture them in a big way. The fear is gonna come. One of my favorite stories about fear, when I was uh, a freshman in college, I um, went skiing, my dad took me and a friend of mine from high school, Christy, skiing, and we went up uh, into uh, to Vail. I grew up mostly in Colorado. We went up to Vail, and I had not skied very much. Even though I grew up in Colorado, I didn't ski. I know that's kind of odd. It's like people from Florida who never go to the beach. I'm sure there's a few of you in here, right? And so I, um, we went skiing, and we took the lessons because if you don't know how to ski, you don't wanna go up to the top of the mountain and not know how to get down. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, so we took lessons, we took lessons for a couple of hours, they were teaching us how to fall, and they briefly taught us how to get off the ski lift. But as Christy and I went up the mountain for the first time, I suddenly was like, do you remember what they said about how to get off the lift? I mean, we're on the lift and we're having this conversation and there were some kids in front of us. They looked like they were about 12 or 13. And so we decided that we were just going to watch what they did and then we would do what they did. So as, as we're moving up to the, to the spot where you get off the ski lift, I started to get a little bit nervous because I just, I couldn't remember if I was going to get kind of a little push or a prompt to get off or do I need to just stand up and get off the ski lift. And so as we got to that spot, Christy got up and what happened was the ski lift smacked her in the rear end and she kind of just tumbled down the hill in front of the ski lift. And I just looked on in amazement, okay. The ski lift continued to move and I was like, well, that was interesting it started to turn around and it was going back down the mountain you understand I'm still on the lift Christy is on the ground rolling through the snow her skis her poles are everywhere skis are up in the air and I'm thinking I am about to take the ride of shame okay back down the mountain on the wrong side of the ski lift And there's all this commotion, and people at this point are pointing, they've stopped. My dad's a great skier, he was in a different area, but he tells me that he heard the commotion, and he saw people stopping, literally they were pointing. Oh my gosh, there's a girl stuck up there on the ski lift. And I'm thinking, just let it, just let it keep going. But the ski lift operator decided to stop the ski lift. I'm thinking, no, no, there's enough people watching, I'll just be embarrassed, I'll just take my ride back down, I'm not coming back up, but I'll go to the lodge and um, have some hot chocolate. And he was like, he's like, no, he came over and he looks at me and I'm not too far up, but I'm far enough that I don't wanna jump down. And he says to me, I got you, just jump. And I was like, I'm not jumping off the ski lift, but I could tell he was not going to budge. He's like, no, no, I've done this before, just jump. And at this point, it's like a show. Everybody's just sitting there waiting for me to jump. So I realized I don't have any choice, and I decided to close my eyes, and I just jumped. And there was nothing to it. I jumped, and he caught me. Now, I tell you that story because so often when we have fear and we mess things up, I mean, what we do is that we we become so afraid. We think about the fact that we're going to be ashamed, that we're going to have all this embarrassment, but oftentimes God gives us a second chance. He stands there and he's got his hands up and he's saying, just jump. I got you. And so many of you, that's what you need to hear and that's what you need to do. Just jump. I don't care what mistakes you've made in the past. God has a plan for you. Are y'all with me on this? And then some of you need to be like Christy. You see, Christy was courageous. She didn't know what on earth she was doing, but she was like, it's time to jump. I'm just going to get off the ski lift, okay? She looked ridiculous, but you know what? She got off the lift. I didn't. Sometimes we have to stop worrying about what we're going to look like and whether or not we're going to do it right and whether or not we're going to be embarrassed. And we just need to take that leap of faith that God's calling us to take. That's what it takes when we picture our possibilities and we see fear. It's not going to look perfect, but give yourself permission to be imperfect. It's freeing. God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he expects us to have the faith to move forward when he tells us to move forward. So number one, picture your possibilities. The UN purpose is use your failures and your mistakes as a learning tool. Use your failures and your mistakes as a learning tool. You have heard this before, but so often we beat ourselves up for our failures. Has anyone in here ever failed at anything? Just a few of you. What, the rest of you? Y'all are the perfect ones? Okay, all right, I'm not talking to y'all. But for the rest, use your failures and your mistakes as a learning tool. We fail, but it doesn't make us a failure. God often uses our failures. The most successful people are the ones who fail the most, the ones who are willing to fail, the ones who are willing to look silly, willing to get it wrong, but they step out anyway. And oftentimes failure is God's way of moving you in a new direction because oftentimes you're moving down a path and God's saying, that's not where I want you to go. And so I'm going to close some doors so that you cannot succeed. And then we fuss about it and we push against those closed doors. My first year of college, if y'all can picture me instead of having on this bright dress with my pumps, if y'all can picture me with combat boots and a rifle, can y'all picture that? It's really not that funny, I don't look tough, I don't look tough to y'all. Okay, well, my first year I was was a cadet at the US Air Force Academy. So you can picture me in my combat boots with my rifle. I mean, it had been such an honor to get in. I remember calling my father the day that I got my presidential appointment in the mail. I remember pulling it out, big white envelope. My father was stationed in Korea that year and I think I woke him up, it was like four or five o'clock in the morning there and I read the letter to him and I had not heard my dad cry. And as I read the letter, my dad started crying. He yells down the barracks, my daughter got into the Air Force Academy! And I was thinking, Dad, I I don't really want to go anymore. I just thought I would read you the letter. (laughs) But uh, my parents thought, you know, no, this is a good idea for you to go. I had senioritis really big uh, when I was in high school, my senior year. And so I got to the Air Force Academy, and I know y'all are all really smart, but I got there, and I got my grades the first time. And I had a 1.4. Did y'all know you could get a 1.4? It's really not that hard to do. And um, it was a rough year. It just kept going downhill from there. My parents divorced that year. I was in the hospital three times, and bigger than anything, I figured out it was not my purpose in life. It was all I knew. I was born at Tyndall Air Force Base in Panama City. I grew up on Air Force bases. My father's retired Air Force. My mom retired from the Army Air Force Exchange Service. It's all I knew, but it wasn't my mission. I had to fail. When I failed, I felt so dumb. I stayed for a year, and when I decided to leave, I had lost all of my academic confidence. But here's what I know today. I had to fail. That wasn't my path. And I had to find my path. I don't regret going. I wouldn't, if you had told me what I was gonna go through while I was there, I would never have thought I was that tough. I would never have thought I could have gotten through it but it wasn't where I was meant to be. And so God said, use what you learned and move on. Stop beating yourself up for it. You've got to use your failures and your mistakes as a learning tool. Failing is something that happened. It's not who you are. So whatever you failed at, say, Lord, what lesson are you trying to teach me? What's the message in this? And then take it and run with it and own it. The worst thing that can happen is that when we fail at things, we internalize it and then we try to hide it. It's so much better when we're able to just say, yeah, I failed. I failed big time. Because you know what happens when you own it and you say, I failed big time? Then you can say, okay, and here's why I failed. And here's what happened. And here's what God was trying to do. And here's what God has done in my life despite the fact that I failed. God then gets the glory out of your situation. So use your failures and your mistakes as a learning tool. The R in purpose is simply reach out. Reach out. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. We have to reach out. We have to reach out in a lot of different ways. Number one, the most resilient people always reach out. They don't go it alone. And we live in a culture where we prize individuality and look what I did. But the fact of the matter is we can't do anything of significance by ourselves. We cannot. And at this stage of life, you have to be asking yourself, what relationships does God want me to be in? Who does he want me to impact? And who does he want to impact me? There are some people that may be in your circle that God really does not want in your circle. They could be in your outer circle, but He really does not want them influencing you. There are some key decisions that have to be made. Many of you at some point, some of you are married, some some of you at some point want to be married. I want to read you something um, from my latest book. It's called Start Here, Start Now. And it's, it's very simple. I, in many ways, wish I had read this years ago. Um because maybe I wouldn't have gone through some of the things that I went through. But I can tell you even the things I've been through have made me better and ultimately led me to where I am uh, today. But, but listen to this, these are just three questions. When you're thinking about going into a relationship with someone that you think, hey, maybe, maybe I wanna get married, all right? If this person never changed, could you be content with him or her for the rest of your life? If this person never changed, could you be content with him or her for the rest of your life? If your answer is, never like, could they, what if they change this one? No. No, if they never change, because the fact of the matter is, they are likely not going to change. They might change to get you to stay with them, but then once they've got you, they'll go back to where they already were. So you need to look at where they are right now and ask yourself, if they never change, if this never change, would I be content? Okay, some of y'all are looking in shock right now. (laughs) Okay, here's number two. Do you have a shared vision with your mate of your life together? Do y'all have the same vision? Do you want kids? Do you want to live like nomads or would you like to live in the suburbs? I mean, seriously, what is your vision for your life? Because if the vision does not match up, there are going to be some serious issues. A house divided cannot stand. You need to have a similar vision for where you are going, okay? And here's number three. Do you love their character more than you love their career or their looks or their money? Do you love their character. I'm going to tell you, when I was at the stage in my late 30s, and I realized, you know, I was divorced, and I I knew I wanted to be married, and I was asking God, you know, what am I supposed to be looking for? What's this person supposed to be like? And God gave me just a couple of things. I knew they had to be a believer. But God said, first of all, He's going to pursue you. He's going to pursue you. There's no, you, you don't do the pursuing. He will pursue you. You will know Him because He will pursue you. Secondly, he will be emotionally available. That means if there are issues, he's willing to talk them through. Are y'all with me on that? He doesn't have to be emotionally perfect, but hey, we don't, we, we can talk. We can't, we can't just yell at each other or get really quiet or you're not gonna tell me what's wrong or you've got issues from 10 years ago and you don't wanna deal with the No, that's, he's gonna be emotionally available and he's gonna have good character you will know him by his character you can trust him you share his values are y'all with me on this you have to have not not a vision of what you want the person to look like and what you want their career to be but what do you want their character to be like because if you're gonna be with them for the rest of your life character is all that's really going to matter do they love God do they want to please God are they gonna be good to you if something goes wrong will they still be there y'all with me on this reach out because relationships matter relationships matter the second p in purpose the second p in purpose plan but don't overplan some of y'all overplan everything if I asked you for your game plan for your life, for your career, for some of, some of you ladies have long lists of what the relationship is going to look like. You know all the names of the kids and you're not planning to have them for seven more years. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all plan too much. But here's the thing that happens. If we over plan, we tend not to act. So have a plan, but don't over plan. Over planning is fear. When we overplan, when we overthink, what we're really afraid of is am I gonna get this right? Am I gonna make the wrong step? Okay, let me go back and think through everything that might go wrong, because what I'm really scared of is if I take a step out, I'm gonna be wrong. But do you know what? If you take a step out in faith in what God's told you to do and you're wrong, don't you think he's gonna tell you? Yeah. Hey, I didn't mean that. I meant this. Do you think he's going to let you just keep going in the wrong direction? No, God is pleased with your faith when you take action. Faith without action is dead. So he wants to see action. Yes, you plan. But when you overplan, it's really about you being a control freak. When you overplan, what you're really saying is, "God, I need to tell you every single step of the way what I need you to do." Are y'all with me on this? God doesn't need your overplanning. God needs you to pray. In each to know what you're about to do but know that when you commit your plans to him you cannot fail. You cannot fail. Yeah. The o in purpose is open your own doors of opportunity. Open your own doors of opportunity. Too often we sit back we're not as purposeful in saying what is it that I could do? And this is really simple to me. There's some things that you may not know. Pick up a book. Talk to somebody who knows. <laughs> Ask questions. When I got that vision about my mission that I was supposed to be writing, I literally went to Barnes and Noble and I bought a book called The Complete Guide to Self-Publishing and I followed what the book said and I literally published my book. And seven months later, I sent myself, paid my way to go to Book Expo America. And while I was there, giving away copies of my book to bookstore owners who might carry my book on consignment, meaning I give it to them. If they sell it, they would pay me 60%. They'd keep 40%. While I was giving away books, an editor from Random House walked through my line. That's how I got my first book deal. I don't think if I had written a proposal and sent it unsolicited, I would have gotten a book deal but because I had opened that door of opportunity for myself and said, hey, I've invested in myself. I knew knew I needed to sell 300 books to break even. I did that in three weeks. You've gotta be clear about what it is that you need to do. Open your own doors of opportunity. The S in purpose very simply is serve. Your purpose is always about how you serve, how you impact others, how you make a difference in the kingdom. And the thing about serving is when we take our focus off of ourselves, because we can get depressed just thinking about ourselves. you ever sit and think about your situation and then you just start feeling sorry for yourself? Well, I don't have this, and if this had happened, and I didn't have that. and We just start thinking about ourselves so much we can spiral downward thinking about what we don't have. One of the quickest ways to lift yourself up is to say, how can I bless somebody else? Your mission is about how God wants to use you, and serving is about you showing His love in some way to someone else. Are y'all with me on this? So serve. Instead of asking, what can I get? In every situation, ask, what can I give? What can I give? you're at work, stop asking what can I get. Start asking what can I give? And then the E in purpose, very simple, is enjoy the journey. I always like to stop with enjoy the journey. Joy. You're in such a good place right now in your life. There's so many things you can do that maybe you won't be able to do 10 years from now or 20 years from now, take advantage of it. Enjoy your journey. When I nearly failed out of the Air Force Academy, I felt so dumb and I was so busy trying to prove that I wasn't dumb that I rushed through college. I went to three schools in three different states and I graduated from Florida State. We got a few Seminoles in here I think. I graduated in three years, so I was 20. And when you're overcompensating for things, what tends to happen is that that finish line is never enough, so I pushed the finish line out a little more, and I decided I would go to grad school, and I went a mile away to Florida A&M, and I finished my master's degree. I'm still rushing through school because I'm still worried I'm not smart. And I finished, and I was 21, and I was done with school. And I, let me tell you, Tallahassee is nothing like the Air Force Academy. I had started to have fun, and now it was time to work. Sometimes we rush through things that God's not asking us to rush through. He wants you to savor the moments and savor your journey and enjoy where you are. Your happiness really is about your choices. And so I'm asking you that in the midst of being purposeful, know that it's going to bring you joy, but do things every single day just because. They bring you joy. Enjoy your journey. So I want you to remember, number one, picture your possibilities. Have a clear vision. Ask God, where is it that you see me a year from now, five years from now, and what do I need to be doing? Expect that you're gonna fear, feel fear in the face of that. But move forward. Anyway, picture your possibilities. Use your failures and your mistakes as a learning tool. Failing is something that happened. It is not who you are. Make sure that you reach out. Relationships matter. Do not do relationships by accident. Yeah. Don't let people just cross your path by accident. Next thing you know, you're involved in something you did not mean to get involved in. Are y'all with me on that? Relationships need to be on purpose. And then plan, but don't overplan. Stop overthinking and start acting. Open your own doors of opportunity. Be willing to take a risk on you. Serve. Every single day, ask, Lord, what do you want me to give here? How do you want me to make an impact? What's the contribution I'm supposed to make today? However big or small it is. And then lastly, simply, enjoy the journey. Understand that God has a mission for you. Answer that question. How is somebody's life better? Because they crossed your path. God bless you. Thank you so very much. Good night. (laughs)